Galatians 5:16 to 26. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. This is God's Word. Thank you. Uh, well, if you're visiting us today, you join us uh, in Galatians chapter 5. If you're a regular here, you're thinking, how can we still be in Galatians chapter 5? We've been here quite some time, isn't it? Time to move on. Well, it is all after today. But it's such an important chapter in practical Christian living, how you live the Christian life. The, how do you expect to change? And in one sense, it's not complicated at all, but it's so important to understand it rightly and to, to build our lives, to seek change in this way. But uh, we are still in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, but that's a delight to be here. Now, uh, the, uh, if you've been with us for a while, you know the book of Galatians, really. There, um, there are false teachers in Galatia who have come along and said, if you want to change or mature in the Christian life, you begin with faith in Jesus Christ, very good. But now if you want to move on, make progress... Well, you need a good old dose of rules. That's what you need to, to push on. Because really, how else will you grow unless you have a nice long list of do's and don'ts? To which Paul has said, no. No, you begin the Christian life by faith in Jesus Christ. You mature in the Christian life by more faith in Jesus Christ. Just understanding the same truths more deeply, applying them to every area of your life. So it's the same Faith in Jesus Christ, just deeper, just more in your heart. That's the way to growth. And really, then, we're thinking today there's a battle. There's a battle in the life of uh, the heart of everyone who is a believer. And uh, it's, a, it's a battle. The, the outline says it's uh, where we're going. There's a battle, first of all. Uh, and there'll be one of two outcomes. The works of the flesh or the fruit of the spirit. Okay? So that's fairly straightforward. There's a battle. And the outcome will be one of two things, works of the self-justifying flesh or fruit of the Christ-embracing spirit. That's all okay. Fairly straightforward. There's a battle. First then, there's a battle. Now, I guess I take it I don't need to persuade you of this. 
actually whether you're a Christian or not, but if you're a Christian, this is who Paul is mainly speaking to here, you don't always do what you want. It isn't, I've become a Christian and now, oh, my life is, it's all so straightforward. I never, I never desire to tell a lie. I never desire to get angry. It's so different now. Well, it is different, but that, that's, there's a tension. There's always a tension there. As uh, Paul puts it very uh, succinctly, Verse 16, 17, I say, live by the Spirit. You'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For because the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. Every believer knows conflicting desires. Two powers, two operating systems at work in the heart of a Christian. God's spirit, which you receive when you become a Christian, and the sinful nature, or the flesh. It's literally flesh, um, but that doesn't mean the, the skin. It just, it's another way of saying us. These two powers, operating systems, at work in the heart of every believer. So there's a sense, it's a familiar little metaphor, but there's a sense in which every Christian is a bit of Jekyll and Hyde. The, uh, the 19th century morality tale, Robert Louis Stevenson invented normal language, always a bit Jekyll and Hyde, isn't he? You know, there are good parts and bad parts. But you know, in the original account, uh, good Mr. Jekyll, lovely, charming Mr. Jekyll, discovers or develops this potion that uh, if he takes it, he can confine all, everything that's nasty in his heart into one little character, Mr. Hyde. But over time, he can't control Mr. Hyde. So Jekyll switches back between the two of them. He's lovely Mr. Jekyll, the doctor everyone loves. He's very charming. There's nasty Mr. Hyde who goes out at night and murders people and uh, abuses women. And he's this violent character. And slowly over time, it's a fairly pessimistic book, slowly over time, Jekyll, sorry, Hyde takes over. Whenever he turns into Hyde, Jekyll knocks back a bit more potion but it, over time, he needs to take more and more and more potion to keep Hyde squashing him down. But eventually, the evil Hyde takes over and um, well, he commits suicide. So that's all cheerful, isn't it? So it's a fairly depressing book, really. But um, Stevenson, he's sort of commenting on the time. That's what everyone's like, isn't it? This balance between good and bad and who will win. And it's the Victorian era, so there's a certain sense of morality behind it. You know, we must do the right thing. But it's, it's, now, that's a... Slightly poor illustration, actually, of what Paul's saying. But anyway, let me just throw it out there uh, on that. Because, well, for two reasons. The first is, Paul is a lot more optimistic. Do you see right at the beginning here, before we really jump in, verse 16? Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. See, even though there's a, there's a tension, sometimes we do the right thing, sometimes we don't. Paul says... You will make progress. You, you can slowly triumph in this battle. I expect for most Christians that Jekyll wins. The good guy wins within the heart. Slowly over time there's progress made. He's, he's more optimistic. And the second is it's a bit more fundamental than just split personality disorder. <laughs> because these two things, the Spirit of God and our natural sinful nature or flesh. They are, in a sense, they are two... Let me push my knowledge here. They are two operating systems. So a computer, this is where 
you know, forgive me. A com- you know, there are people are laughing already. The, um, uh, a computer, you can run it on different operating systems, Windows or OS X or Linux, you know, that's three. The, um, uh, there are different operating systems. You can actually run a computer on two dual operating systems. It's a bit that slows it down. It's not quite so good. The Christian, we live the Christian life. We load one or other of those operating systems. We either run our hearts by the sinful nature or we choose to run our hearts by the spirit. They're both there, but we can slightly decide which one we have drive us, operate us, empower us. It'll be one or the other, dominant. So the Christian has both going on. Now let's, um, let me just try and uh, dig down a little bit to, to explain that a little bit more. Do you see just these first few verses, 16 to 18? Paul has the Spirit battling two different opponents. So verse 16. Live by the Spirit, you'll not gratify desires of the sinful nature. See the contest here? Spirit, sinful nature. Okay? Red corner, spirit. Blue corner is the sinful nature. Verse 18. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Red corner, spirit, blue corner, under law. So Paul's quite happy to say, to live under law is the same thing as gratifying the sinful nature. That is the same thing, or will have the same outcome. If you've That would be no surprise if you've been with us through the book of Galatians. Because to be under law is to reject Jesus Christ. It's to be under law is to say, I will justify myself before God. I will prove myself. I will make something of my life. I will show the world that I am really something. It's all about what I do. My performance is to be under law. Or you're under Jesus Christ. That's the distinction we made uh, all the way through. I'm, I can do it if you think you're under law. And that, if you live that way, it's all about me. It's all about my performance. I can prove myself. That is, that is the sin beneath every other sin. That is the operating system that will produce the works or the acts of the sinful nature. So do you start to see, and we're going to hammer the point over and over again, do you start to see there are two different ways of living here? One, by the Spirit of God. I am a child of God. Jesus Christ has forgiven me. I live for God. I'm free. I don't need to earn my salvation. I don't need to earn my place in the world. God delights in me through Jesus Christ. That's one way of living, by the Spirit. The other way is under law. I will prove myself. I will demonstrate how much I'm worth. Now, try to uh, explain it a little bit more. So this morning, Connor Smith uh, uh, baptized. Fantastic. Now, as shrewd parents, uh, Daniel and Sonia know, they can caricature, bring their son up in two broad brush ways. One is, they, is a way of love. So they can say essentially, no one, is, no one is this crass or blunt or abrupt, okay, but let's caricature for the sake of clarity. They could bring up their son, Connor, to say, we love you. Whatever you do, we love you. Now, if you misbehave, you know, there'll be discipline, but we love you. 
And even if you are hopeless at sport, even if you are hopeless at music, even if you are hopeless at music, we love you. I mean, impossible. The gene pool is strong. We know that. But you are, even, if it can't, even if you are hopeless, we love you. And so the, he grows up thinking, well, my parents love me. That's, that's great. And that's free. And I, I can go forth and embrace the world and attack the world, comfort in that. Or they can bring up their son, essentially saying, yes, we, we love you when, you when you're well behaved. Our love is conditional. We love you when your behavior is better than the other children in crash. Uh, we love you when you're a little bit brighter than the children at school. Uh, we love you when you get a better job than our friends' children, because otherwise we're a bit embarrassed. You know, our love is conditional upon your performance, my son. Now go out into the world. Now, now that child, we all do that as parents, not those words, of course, not that blunt. But the second, you know, in the second scenario, Connor goes out into the world, right, I've got to prove myself. I am driven by a desire to earn my parents' love, to earn my parents' affection. Very different from my parents love me. Now, that will motivate in two very different ways. The first, confident in love. Well, wonderful. I'm going to go and enjoy life. Confident. The other is, I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to be someone. I'm going to show them. I'm going to earn my love. And Paul has said throughout this letter, the first, that is a child of God. Confident that because of the work of Jesus Christ, God loves them will always love them, as, as we heard earlier, will always throw his arms around and say, you're my child, I love you despite your mistakes. That is living by the Spirit. The alternative way of operating is, I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to show the world. I'm going to prove myself to God. I'm going to persuade him to love me. And that is living under law. Two different operating systems, two different batteries or motivation systems, very different ways of living. So the Christian life is letting the way of living under law, shrinking that operating system and growing the fact that we live by the Spirit, live by enjoying our status as children of God. That's the Christian life. We do it all the time. So a conversation, I had a conversation with a friend this week who uh, a moment or, or a, a period of self-realization came out with, I realize I'm often very grumpy. Now why is that? I've worked out it's because I'm constantly trying to prove myself to other people. I'm trying to show them I am impressive. More bizarrely, I'm trying to prove it to myself. And I fail, and so I'm grumpy, and I'm fed up and frustrated and angry because I never, I never quite achieve a high enough standard. Do you see, that's an operating system that's under law. That's not a freedom of living by the Spirit as a child of God. But this battle, this battle is always there in the heart of a Christian. What will drive us? A desire to prove ourselves, to assert ourselves, either to persuade God to love us or just to show the world that we really are something. Or just or to say, God loves me. God loves me. I'm accepted by him. There's real freedom in that. Out I go into the world to enjoy it. Which, 
which motivates us or drives us. There's a battle. There's a battle. Uh, second thing, then, let's look at the, uh, the, two, the two outcomes, and we'll go uh, more quickly here. Uh, first, then, the first outcome is there'll be works of the self-justifying flesh. That's what works of the flesh are, an attempt to prove ourselves. And Paul gives a long list, verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature, well, they're obvious, aren't they? You get the first three that are um, sexual terms, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. I'll, I'll find my life in sex. I'll prove I'm something by sleeping with lots of people. Well, you, could, you could go that way. There are a couple of religious terms, verse 20, idolatry and witchcraft. I'll, I'll be something, I'll show I'm something by being very good at religion. I'll be a very zealous Jew, Muslim, Christian. I'll, I'll prove myself in the religious arena. That'll show, that'll justify my life. Yeah, you can go that way. And then there are a whole stack of terms, eight terms, which is just about relational discord. Which again, all these flow out of an attempt of proving myself, justifying myself. That is, living under law. So uh, let's take an example. Someone you know. Uh, a family member, a parent maybe, or an aunt, or someone you see regularly, someone you know, whenever you see them, belittles you. Always. And you say, oh, oh, I've got to go and see Aunt Flo. It's so dispiriting because wherever you... Oh. oh, dear, what have you done with your hair? Oh, dear. Move on. Got a new job, have you? Same old one. Oh, dear. How are your children? Oh dear, how's your career? Oh dear, they just always belittle you. What it is, they just always find something. Now, what do you, you know, you, how do you respond to that? If, if you are operating under law, that's driving you, a desire to justify yourself, this constant belittlement, what will it do after a while? You, you rage. Or uh, you get, uh, verse 20, there's hatred, you hate Aunt Flo, you hate her, there's discord, you sort of, uh, sort of uh, have a go at Aunt Flo and find flaws in her children because they're not perfect either, are they? And there's jealousy, well, yes, actually, Aunt Flo's daughter has got, I don't know, a better job, better family than me. And you just, uh, this sort of constantly belittling, it just wears you down after a while and you rage against it because... You're trying to justify yourself. Hold on, I'm not that bad. I'm, I'm quite good. So you have to fight back and fight back if you're operating under law. Now, by contrast, if you're operating by the Spirit, you can say, Oh, well, <laughs> Aunt Flo, you might belittle me, but I have a God in heaven who delights in me. So, in truth, Aunt Flo, I'm sorry that you're quite so upset. What can we do about this? And, oh, gosh, you're still at it, aren't you, Aunt Flo? I can forgive you. I don't get angry. I can forgive you. I know that in my life, God has forgiven me an enormous debt. I can forgive you, your small crime against me. It's two very different operating systems. But you see, all these things that Paul lists, verse uh, 18 to 20, they, they flow out of a desire to justify ourselves. It's a way of living under law. A tick box way of, I've got to prove and tick myself off and, and be higher and superior to this person to justify myself. That's under law. And if you live that way, well, these will be the sort of things that come out of your heart. But Paul says, look, verse 21, I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this, they'll not inherit the kingdom of God. If this, 
if this behavior typifies you, you're not a Christian. You just haven't, you haven't really understood the gospel. If this typifies your life, so you've got it all wrong. You're, you're living by rules, by law. No, live by the gospel, live by the spirit. So let's turn to that, the, uh, the more positive outcome. Uh, verses 22 to 25. If you live by the Spirit, well, you'll see the fruit of the Spirit. Or let's expand it, the fruit of the Christ-embracing Spirit. Now, uh, there's an obvious contrast, I think, verses uh, between fruit and works. Works are of self-justification. Fruit grows. Now, um, I hope my father never listens to this. He'll, be, he'll just laugh his head off that I'm going to try and talk about fruit because he is, was a professional gardener. I am incompetent, but let's, let's have a go. Um, a few things I know about fruit. Uh, it grows. So um, a Christmas, there's a difference between a Christmas tree and an apple tree. A Christmas tree, you either get it out of its box if it's artificial or you uh, chop it down and shove it in a bowl of uh, sand uh, and you decorate it, you hang things on it, and that's okay, but it's going to die and collapse and fall over. A living tree, an apple tree, you don't go to Sainsbury's, buy some apples, buy some string and tie them on. You don't do that. It grows out of the tree. That's what a healthy tree does. And there is a distinction, I think, being drawn here. The works of the sinful nature, they're our own attempts to prove ourselves. The fruit of the Spirit, primarily, it's God's work. Okay, let's say here three little things then uh, about fruit. It's uh, singular, it's organic, it needs to be cultivated quickly before we finish. First then, uh, fruit is singular, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Now, that's bad grammar. Um, English teachers would hate it. Surely the fruit of the Spirit, they are, there's a plural uh, there's a subject, singular, there's a plural, and then there's R, isn't it? But Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is because it's not that there are nine fruits. There's one that demonstrates itself in nine ways. So the fruit of the Spirit is, mixing metaphors, it is like the beautiful jewel that you can look at from different angles and see slightly different things. But it is singular, there is one. And you need all to define the other. Now, naturally, most people will be strong in some of these. Some people will be naturally uh, self-controlled. Some people will be naturally kind. But you can't look at the list and say, well, you know, look at that list. There's nine things there. I'm pretty strong in six. Six out of nine. That's a pass. It's probably a B. That's fine. I'll, I'll accept that and take that. You can't, no, because if you've got six out of nine, it probably just means naturally you've got them. And it's the three that you do nothing about that demonstrate. Okay. They all define one another. So kindness is not abstract as one. Or let's say uh, gentleness. Take an example, gentleness. You can't just have gentleness in the abstract. On its own, could just be weakness. So you have a friend who's about to embark on an extramarital affair. And Miss Gentle says, ooh, you know, I don't, you know, I don't like to say anything. Eh? 
Are you really persuaded that's the best thing for you to do? Well, at that point, Miss Gentle, you want Miss Gentle to be encouraged by a little bit of biblical faithfulness and uh, a loving, don't do that. You, just, you want it beefed up. You don't want just gentleness on its own. You want gentleness accompanied by faithfulness and love. And you want them, you, all of them together. It's that sort of gentleness you want. Or self-control. You know, some people are just self-controlled. And it's deeply unpleasant. Um, and you say, well, you know, you say, well, I'm trying to give up whatever it is. I'm trying to give up chocolate. I'm trying to give up smoking. I'm trying to lose some weight. And someone says, well, I'm very self-controlled. I just decided to stop and I stopped. Why can't you do that? Well, I'm self-controlled. Why can't you be self-controlled? I'm sorry. It's very straightforward. You just say stop and you don't do it. I don't know what your problem is. Now, that at that point becomes obnoxious. You don't... Self-control, in the, no, it's, it's a self-control which is also defined by love and patience. And so, okay, you're trying to, whatever it is, lose weight, give, or something a bit more profound. You're, you're trying to forgive a relative who's deeply annoying. How are you doing with that? Why, well, in ebbs and flows. Well, keep going, keep going, keep going. You want some loving encouragement. You want them to say, look, have patience. It'll take time. Do you see all of the fruit of the Spirit? They define one another. They're not abstract. There is one. It's singular. So only the supernatural power of God's Spirit will help us grow in all of them. Now, it's never simultaneous growth. You know, different things grow at different times, depending on what we're learning. But they all need to be growing. Slowly, if some are never growing, there's something deeply wrong there. Okay? So this fruit, it's singular, it's one fruit of the spirit. Second thing, it's organic. Fruit grows from a healthy tree. When Paul says, verse 23, against such things, there's no law. Fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. It's not just as bland as... Uh, if you look upon the statute book of the United Kingdom and look in Parliament, there is no law which says you must not love. There is no law. Or even in the Bible. It's not, I mean, that's the obvious. It's a bit more, he's saying, law can't produce these things. Against these things, you, there's no system of law that can generate love in your heart. You can't, you can't legislate that into someone's heart. Uh, look, I've, um, I'm afraid you're a, little un- you're a little joyless. So what I've written here is, I must be. Can you just write out a hundred times, I must be joyful? Can you just write that out a hundred? That's not going to do it, is it? You can't legislate that into hearts. But fruit grows. God's work is to grow this in lives, but it takes time. Uh, one of our neighbours died not long before Christmas. Uh, Craig Yates fairly famous artist actually he's sort of just up the road from us you can see his house from ours um different street but uh, uh craigie had lived there for 50 odd years he lived there years and years and years died uh, uh, well into his 80s now and died on his own so by the time he died he was kind of an old guy not doing much with his house he was a bit run down now at some point at some point i don't know quite when it happened at some point in craigie's house in his time living there a seed from a beech tree had fallen into his garden there are a few nearby, you know, and I actually checked this, you know, a beech tree seed, you know, it's a big pea, basically, it's not much, and it opens up. Now, this had fallen into his front yard, which was all concreted over, but, you know, paving slabs, and it had gone down between a slab. Now, and slowly, this seed had gone down and 
start germinating and little things had sprouted out between the paving slabs and uh, up this, you know, little treelet. That's not a word, is it? A little small tree, and then it grew and grew and grew. Now, by the time Craigie died, ever since we've lived in the neighborhood, this tree's about 25, 30 foot. It's an enormous thing. And um, it had sort of broken up all the paving slabs. The, I mean, the house, it's sort of clay soil. The house, the whole house was on an angle of about 15 degrees because this tree was... It was literally transforming the house. It was, I mean, if it had given it another decade or so, it probably would have knocked the whole house over. It was really shoving up all the roots underneath it. Now, whatever it was, 40 years ago, you just held the little seed in your hand. What do you think this seed can do to the house? Break a window? No. Um, what can it do? It can't do anything. It's pathetic as a little seed. But planted, and it grew. And it grew and it grew to such an extent it, it could take over the house. Now, God has planted within the heart of a believer his spirit. And he grows fruit. Now, it takes time. Organic growth takes time. And if you look at a tree in the winter, what are you doing, Mr. Tree? Not a lot. They just sort of look... A bit barren, a bit dead. Come the summer, ta-da, you know, here's, here's my lovely apples, whatever it may be. Now, there are times in the Christian life when not a lot seems to be happening, but God is preparing us for a time when obviously the fruit comes out. It's, all, it's God's work. He's planted his seed in our hearts, and he will grow fruit. That's what he does. He will change you over time enormously encouraged this is Paul is optimistic here you will change it's organic last thing though it does need a bit of cultivating this fruit the fruit of the spirit does need cultivating Paul stresses God's priority yeah but still at the same time fruit needs to be cultivated so for example verse 24 those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires that's something we do, you see. It's believers have crucified. Now, fundamentally, that happens when we become a Christian. We take our old pattern of life and sort of nail it to the cross and say, I want to live differently now. But we keep on living that way. So you can look just across the page, chapter 6, verse 14. How do I keep growing, says Paul? May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me, I to the world. I'm going to keep on growing by taking my sinful desires and saying, no, no, I'm going to take them back to the cross. And so I, I'm tempted to be angry, but I'm going to take that back to the cross and say, God has forgiven me. He's forgiven me an enormous crime of rebelling against him. I can forgive Aunt Flo. Okay. I'm going to keep on doing that, taking things back to the cross. Or at verse 25, again, you get a statement of fact and then something to do. So verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, indicative, it's true of Christians already, then let us keep in step with the Spirit, imperative, command. Here's something to do. Keep in step with the Spirit. It's a marching word. Keep in step with. How do you keep in step with the Spirit? Very quickly, just turn back, chapter 4, verse 6. So, so important. 
chapter 4, verse 6, because your sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. You become a Christian, God sends his spirit into our hearts. What's the spirit's work? The spirit's work is to, to help us cry out, God, you're my father now. I relate to you as a father now, not as a slave, not as someone who has to earn my worth, but as a child who you love. That's the Spirit's work to remind us of that. Keeping in step with the Spirit is, is believing that promise. It's believing, I am a child of God. I don't have to earn my way. I don't have to legislate my way into, into God's affection. He loves me. I don't have to prove myself in the world. I already have a Father who loves me. To keep in step with the Spirit is, it's in detail last time, it's delighting in the promises of the gospel. That's what it means. Or fixing your eyes on Jesus. Another way of putting it, I guess. Boasting in the cross, chapter 6, verse 40. It's all similar ways of but trusting God's promises. Fix your eyes on. Keep in step with Jesus Christ. You keep in step with the Spirit. There have been uh, only one or two... Uh, Occasions in my life when I have gone to aerobics, um, you know, and there's 20 women and two men, uh, and the women are very good, and the men are all over the place. They, they don't call it aerobics anymore, do they? That's a sort of dated name. It's all called turbo flesh workout, or it's all, there was all this crazy abs burner, or. Um, Bums and tums. It's never, it's never, it's never ever called aerobics anymore. It's, anyway, but on a couple of occasions you go to aerobics, and um, of course the people that the weak, you know, dragged along or feel the need to go along, and you're slightly embarrassed. Oh, it's a load of women and one man, or fortunately, oh, there's another another bloke, but he's there in his lycra and he knows what he's doing as well. So it's deeply embarrassing because you're the only one there who doesn't hasn't got a clue. But what do you have to do in those sort of classes? So I realised you had to fix your eyes on the teacher, or you're in real trouble. You're in real trouble. Because, the, you know, because, you know, the, t the teacher just goes and they goes and it starts off and it's all very straightforward. And then there's the, uh, you know, there's the one or two things. And they're, but of course they're doing it right to left and you're trying to do it the other way because you're, you know, and so you're not, so you move your right leg and you think, no, that's my leg. And it all gets very complicated. It's very, you have to keep, you have to fix your eyes on the teacher. Well, you're in all sorts of trouble. And you think, oh, I'm going right. I've got my eyes fixed and, I, and now I, I'm keeping in step with her. Terrific. And then you just get distracted by something. Oh, my goodness, look at those leg warmers. I haven't seen those since Fame was on television. My goodness, she's genuinely wearing a leopard skin leotard. You just get distracted by something. And then you realize the teacher's moved on. And, you know, you're still going, what, everyone else is doing something else. Oh, and you have to sort of, you just sort of bring yourself back in and you fix your eyes again. Well, that's the Christian life. You fix your eyes upon Jesus Christ and the promises of the gospel. And, you keep, and then you're in step with the Spirit. And fruit grows in your life. And then you get distracted. And nothing happens. And you, you just drift for a bit. And you think, hold on a minute, what am, I, what am I doing? Let me trust those promises again. Why am I so stressed at the moment? What's going on? I've taken my eyes off Jesus Christ. I've forgotten the promise that God is, because I'm a child of God, he's my father. He's in control of my life. I've taken my eyes off. Now fix my eyes back. Okay. Okay, now I'm in step with the spirit again. And now fruit. Fruit grows in my life again. So the Christian life is just 
taking us, getting our eyes back on Christ so we're in step with him. That's what the Christian life is. How do we expect to change? If you want to change, make progress, grow your character, how do you expect that to happen? And this whole letter is saying over and over again, believe the gospel. Because these two operating systems are in the heart of every believer. One is, you're a child of God. Enjoy that. Delight in that. Trust in God's promises. The other is, I've got to prove myself. It's all down to me. I'm going to assert myself. I'm going to show them. I'm going to show the world. I'm going to show God. Now, those two are always at work. Fix your eyes upon Jesus Christ. Trust, delight in the promises of the gospel. And the second one will wither. It'll wither. And fruit will grow. Slowly, over time, but it will. That's the promise here. Verse 16. Live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. God is at work. His Spirit is planted in you. It'll grow. Trust him. Fix your eyes upon Jesus Christ. Boast in the cross. And then you're in step with the Spirit. And our lives will change. Let me lead us in prayer. Father, we've uh, sung and we say again, uh, by grace we'll stand on your promises. It is by faith that you love us as your children. That that love is unshakable because it is bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then by faith we'll walk, we'll keep in step with the Spirit, and you will change us. Thank you that that's a, a promise for believers, that you will grow fruit in our lives as we look to and trust and delight in Jesus Christ. And we thank you for it. Amen.